Before tonight's Angle of Pursuit podcast, a word from our sponsor. I cannot believe Jerry Jones didn't re-sign DeMarco Murray. What an idiot. Like you could do better. I guarantee I could. They should change the name from Jerry's Cowboys to Dennis's Cowboys. Well, here's the chance to prove it. Head over to MyFootballNow.com. It's the number one rated online professional football management simulator. You become the owner, general manager of a pro football team. You get to hire the coaches, draft the players, sign free agents, manage the salary cap, all while putting together your own game plan. You'll play against players from around the world, and all. The, and the best part is, it's totally free. Build your dynasty now at MyFootballNow.com. First thing I'm going to do is get DeMarco back in the Longhorn State. Alright, welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast with, uh, your, my co-pilot Dennis Dunbar at Lions Den NFL. I am Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. Uh, tonight our guest is Jared Smola. You can read his work at DraftSharks.com and make sure you follow him on Twitter at Smola, S-M-O-L-A-D-S. Uh, how you doing tonight, Jared? Good, good guys. Thanks for having me on. I was, Good to talk some football and the drafts finally, finally getting close. About a week I away. I know it finally feels like we're actually going to get to get to the end here. How you doing tonight, Dennis? I'm doing good, man. And with this draft coming up so close, I'm ready to start narrowing down my list. So, um, you know, this I kind of wanted this to be our flag planning uh, episode where you know we really kind of separate the wheat from the tear and make our decisions on, on guys we like, or at least, you know, that's my intentions. I don't know if, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. Landing spot could change everything, but, you know, just as far as talent. Yeah, we're, def- we're definitely going to get there because there is some guys, I think we all have a couple, at least a couple guys we want to want to talk about and, and plan our flag in. And, you know, like you said, the, the where they land could change that, but. Um, I think we have some strong opinions on at least a few players that we think, uh, kind of wherever they go, it, sh- it should be a it should be a good success in the NFL. Um, and and as we start tonight, I want to hit a little news. There's some some stuff that's been leaking out that I find kind of interesting. I want to kind of see what you guys think about it and see you know if it impacts your rankings or if it impacts what you think uh, of a, a player at the next level. And the first player I want to hit on is Jay Ajay, who. Um, apparently during his team visits, uh, has been, there's been red flags about his medical and there's, uh, there's concern about his knee. I guess, uh, back in 2011, he had a, he had a knee injury that, that, uh, um, teams are worried about his long-term effects, I guess, or, um, and they think maybe it could, it could, you know, shorten his career a little bit. So for, does that, does that, um, injury news impact your guys' rankings? Do you guys, um, think, uh, Ajay maybe, uh, lower him in your dynasty rankings going forward. Um, you only, you know, think of him more as a short-term player than a long-term player. Uh, Dennis, I'll let you start. Uh, what do you think about the the Jai news, and and how do you change your rankings? I really doesn't change mine at all. I don't really give running backs a long shelf life to begin with, so I, it has zero effect. I mean, I I don't believe half of what I hear this time of year. I mean, a, a lot of 
rumors and things like that. I don't know if it's teams trying to lower a player's draft stock, raise it, or, you know, I try not to focus on things like that since, you know, it just come out, so it's kind of questionable to me. Now, if he starts free-falling in the draft, then maybe there's some substance to it. But as for right now, it, it changes very little for me. What about yeah. you, Jared? Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. You know, it's a little – I think it reeks a bit of a smokescreen that it's coming out now. You know, when when these team visits have been happening for a few months, you know, it could definitely be like like you said, a, a team trying to get a giant drop. Um, you know, we're not doctors; we don't know exactly what's wrong with the knee. I think you know, if he does drop in the draft, if he drops into the third, fourth, fifth round, then we can say for sure that you know, yeah, teams are worried about that knee. But if he ends up going in the second or early third, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's not a major concern. Yeah, I think I think you guys are right on. I mean, especially with any time you're within a month of the draft, there's teams are going to try and try and get stuff out there as in a as a you know in a, as a way to jockey position and hope a couple extra prospects fall to them. Um, and I also want to hit on some guys that are doing some team visits that I thought were pretty interesting and and see what you guys think as for you know for fantasy for next year and and for dynasty. And the first one was Phil Dorsett. Um, he's actually visited the Eagles and, uh, it seems like he might be a good fit there. He kind of, you know, he, he could be a, a Jeremy Macklin replacement. Um, Jared, I'll let you start. What do you think about Phil Dorsett, uh, in Philadelphia? Yeah, I think Philly is going to add a wide receiver at some point in the draft. We'll see how early. I think, you know, Dorsett, he's that smaller speed guy, sort of goes against Chip Kelly's supposed love for the big physical wide receivers who can block. But like you said, I do think, you know, Dorsett, fits that role as a field stretcher, something they lost, especially with Deshaun Jackson a couple of years ago. And I think Macklin could do that too. I think Dorsett could do that for the Eagles. Whereas, you know, Jordan Matthews is more of that um, bigger possession guy running the short and intermediate routes. And then what about you, Dennis? Do you think that's a good good match? Honestly, man, I, I really think that's a, a plug-and-play system for a wide receiver. And, you know, Dorsett definitely will stretch the field like, like the Chip Kelly offense is known for. So, yeah, that's that's a great fit. But my question would be, before I got too excited, is is who's throwing him the ball? You know, is it Tebow? Is it Sam Bradford, yeah. Mark Sanchez, you know, all the guys that were awesome in college and haven't really become what we <laughs> thought they could be in the pros. Um, the next guy I want to hit on is Tevin Coleman. He had a visit with the Arizona Cardinals, and I, I thought that was kind of interesting because um, it seems like they were really high on Andre Ellington, and they might you know want to pair him with a more physical back. But but uh, Coleman, for me, it seems like he's more of a speed guy who kind of does similar things to to Ellington. Uh, Dennis, I'll let you start. What do you think about Coleman in Arizona, and do you think that would affect uh, Ellington's value at all? I, I think Coleman fits well with, with what Arizona tries to do. Um, and, yeah, I think Ellington's value is going to be affected regardless of what running back's there. I mean, I think he kind of showed last year that he's not going to be a workhorse running back, um, you know, with, with his injuries and his build. And, and that was a knock on him in college, which is part of the reason he fell to the fourth round, I believe. But, you know, we was talking about planting our flags, and, and I'm going to go ahead and plant mine in Coleman. He's a guy that – you know, I've kind of been a little hesitant about how much I do like him. I know I've mentioned it to you, Kyle, offline, and you kind of, you know, thought I was a little insane. But, you know, I think he has that it factor. I hate to say that and be cliche, but his production backs it up. 
and I know he has a lot of technical nuances to his game that, you know, drives scouts crazy. And, you know, I, Jamal Charles had, had similar, you know, tendencies. And I think he's almost as explosive as Charles, not quite as fast. But, I mean, he ran a sub 4-4 at his pro day, which was a great sign. And I just think he's being overanalyzed. I think he's being underrated. And I can make a case for him being in the top three of this class. And you know, I don't care if he reminds everybody of Run DMC or Darren McFadden or not, because we never questioned Darren McFadden's talent, at least I didn't. We questioned his health and his toughness, and Coleman is tough as hell. He's durable. I mean, the kid played through a broken foot and was the most productive of all Big Ten backs. And there's a few that's being ranked ahead of him and – Big Ten backs, this is a great class for the Big Ten this year. So I I think draft Knicks are going to look back on Coleman once he gets in the league, and they're just going to be like, you know, what did we miss? Like, was we overcritical on him? And, you know, me and you was talking earlier, Kyle, about Le'Veon Bell. Like, a lot of people missed, including myself, on Le'Veon Bell. I don't think anybody expected him to be as good as he is. And, you know, I, I think we could look back on the same, with the same feeling on Coleman. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting thing because we spend, you know, as soon as the season's over, we're diving into tape and we're watching these prospects and we're analyzing and reanalyzing and overanalyzing sometimes. So, you know, sometimes we miss right, it's right in front of us. I'm going to disagree with you on Coleman. I just, I don't think it's there. I think his, his, his hips are too stiff. I think he's a nice speed guy, but I, and I worry that he's going to, he's going to try and run too fast too soon and end up not letting his blocks set up and, and doing some of those things. Uh, Jared, I'll let you go. What, what do you think about Coleman? What do you think about him in Arizona and what that could mean for the running back system there? Yeah, I'm kind of split right down the middle um, with you guys with Coleman. Yeah, I sort of think his landing spot, maybe more than any other running back in this class, is going to determine his value. I think he needs to land behind a good offensive line because he does have that game-breaking speed. And you know, We saw at Indiana, he put up huge, huge numbers, even better than Melvin Gordon's numbers in the same conference, so that's good. Um, I, I I think he's underrated, too, as far as um, after-contact ability. There's an article on ESPN I was reading a few days ago that actually said Coleman was fourth in this running back class in yards after contact per carry. He averaged 3.2 um, after after contact. So I think he's good there. I do agree, though, that he's a little straight line-ish. I think his vision is questionable. So, again, I think if he ends up behind a shoddy offensive line, and I think you know Arizona kind of fits that mold, I think he might struggle. Um, and then the uh, the next one I want to hit on is Mike Davis, uh, running back out of South Carolina. He's actually got a visit with the 49ers, which I think would be interesting. And considering they just took Carlos Hyde last season, I wonder if they're they're starting to sour on Carlos Hyde, who everybody kind of assumed would be the guy, or if they're just thinking, oh, maybe Davis can just be a nice, like, uh, you know, back. And they've always kind of had two, three, four guys um, that they can use and rotate and stuff. So, um, Jared, I'll let you start. What do you think about Mike Davis uh, in San Francisco? Yeah, Davis is just a solid all-around back. I think he's another guy who might be getting underrated. He can kind of do it all. Not sure he's a feature back at the next level, but could certainly be a nice compliment. And I think, you know, San Fran probably wants that behind high. They signed Reggie Bush. They have Kendall Hunter still, but I'm not sure either of those guys are the answer. So I think, you know, if they if they drafted someone like Davis, that Hyde would still be the lead guy, but, you know, that would certainly leave some room for Davis to see 8-10 to uh, touches per game. And then what about you, Dennis? Oh, yeah, you know Mike Davis is one, one of my favorite prospects. He's 
you know, he's overlooked. He's being underrated right now because he's coming off a, a slower 14, and he tore it up 2013, and I still think he's that same back. I don't know exactly what caused him to have a different season, but I want to circle back to Coleman real quick, and sorry if I'm messing up the flow of the show, but, you know, I know we talked about his speed, and, and you talked about his vision and, and things like that and not being able to follow blocks that well, but I think he's got a little Chris Johnson to his game where Chris Johnson – when he first got into the league, man, he he played on it. He used his speed, and he knew just he could follow his box just enough to where he could outrun these guys. And I think that's why we've seen Chris Johnson's production dip a little bit because he's lost a step. So, you know, I think Coleman could have a similar impact for a short amount of time. Once he loses a step, then I think some of those things will catch up to him a little more. But I mean, Chris Johnson had a two thousand yard season using just basically pure speed and a little bit of vision and, you know, a little bit of power, which I think Coleman has at least the same amount, if not more. He's not quite as fast. So, um, but yeah, back to Mike Davis. Um, yeah, I think he could pick right up where, uh, Frank Gore left off and he, he's that similar type of power back and he would fit real well with what San Francisco likes to do that power run game. And I, I just don't, I'm just not real high on Carlos Hyde. I really wasn't last year. Last year's running back class was kind of poor, so, you know, we're getting a pond restocked this year. I think that's why I find myself wanting to talk about him so much is because I'm just so excited, and it's been such a long time since we've had this much to siphon through that's actually relevant to our fantasy teams. And the next player I want to hit on is is Doriel Green-Beckham, who also visited the Niners, and I thought that would be an interesting fit, pairing him with Kaepernick. It seems like he would be a good uh Compliment to Torrey Smith and the Anquan Bolden could kind of run underneath. Uh, what do you guys think about Green Beckham in, in San Francisco? Uh, Dennis, I'll let you start. Honestly, it doesn't matter to me where he lands up. I think he's going to be a, a difference maker. So it's kind of crowded right now in San Francisco with as far as Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden. And we'll see what comes of Bruce Ellington and guys like that. Quentin Patton, I, they probably won't do a whole lot, but... I mean, like I said, I like Green Beckham wherever he goes. I know he was here in Cincinnati, too, which is an interesting fit. Be a nice compliment to A.J. Green. And Andy Dalton could get back into that top five where he was a couple years ago. What about you, Jerry? What do you think of Doriel Green Beckham in San Francisco and in Cincinnati? Yeah, I think Green Beckham you know, is going to uh, make an impact wherever he goes. I think he's going to carve out a role pretty quickly. My my problem with Cincinnati and San Fran is that both of those offenses are run heavy, so I think that would limit Green Beckham's upside a bit. I'd like to see him land in Baltimore really, where I think, you know, he could maybe for this season he, you know, slots in his number two guy behind Steve Smith, but eventually he'd become their number one. I like, you know, Joe Flacco's big arm with Green Beckham and I also like Mark Trespman there as offensive coordinator. So I think that'd be the ideal landing spot for him. And you guys say you're not really worried about him. What about if he landed in Kansas City? Would you would, would you have to think about it a little bit more with Alex Smith? And they're also a team that tends to run the ball a bit more. But maybe if they brought in Green Beckham and other pass catchers for him, he, you know, they might they might uh, open up the playbook a little bit more. Uh, Jared, I'll let you start. What do you guys think about uh, Kansas City as a landing spot for him? Yeah, I don't think that would be great, mostly because of Alex Smith. I actually wrote an article, it's up on Draft Sharks, just about Jeremy Macklin's fantasy outlook in San Fran. And Alex Smith 
throughout his NFL career has only produced one wide receiver that's been better than a wide receiver three, and that was Michael Crabtree, and that was even the year that Alex Smith um, was benched for Kaepernick about halfway through. So Smith's pretty much been a you know fantasy wide receiver killer. So I think you know that would make Kansas City a pretty pretty scary landing spot for Green Beckham. Dennis, what do you think? I won't even comment on such blasphemy, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. You had to go and ruin. You had to go and ruin the show. Man. I had to. I had to. I had to be a little bit of a buzzkill there. I was just curious because you guys are pretty excited, and I think you would actually still be pretty decent. But um, yeah, Alex Smith wouldn't be the ideal landing spot. Um, the worst one. One more piece of news that I'd like to hit on. I think that's kind of interesting and. The way it's, I don't know how much legs it has, but it seems like it's something that, that, that could conceivably happen. And that's Phillip Rivers heading to the Tennessee Titans. Um, and pretend it would be, it would be in exchange for the Titans number two pick and the Chargers would, uh, potentially land Marcus Mariota. So I'd love to get your guys' opinion on what Rivers would look like in Tennessee. Um, maybe how that would impact, uh, the receivers there, Bishop Sankey and then, um, you know, what Mariota could look like in San Diego, and if you guys think they would, you know, kind of tweak the offense around him and maybe do like a Kaepernick-type situation where where Mariota's got that run-pass option and he can kind of kind of do what he wants. Uh, Dennis, I'll let you start. Uh, what do you think about Rivers in Tennessee and, and Mariota in San Diego? I think there would be at least one of the receivers would be pretty relevant. I don't know if that would be Kendall Wright. Justin Hunter, I about gave up on that guy, to be honest with you. Or uh, even uh, Harry Douglas. I mean, Harry Douglas had some some glimpses and was pretty productive at times in Atlanta. So maybe Harry Douglas could could be the guy. I'm not sure. Um, as far as Sankey, I hope to God that Tennessee drafts another running back because with that offensive line, it's just like a waste. It's. I, I hope Tennessee takes a running back. If not, then uh, I think Wiz and Hunt needs to go back to coordinating or go to the CFL or something. <laughs> and as far as Mariota, I don't know. I, I hate to see him rushed in like that and have to start year one. Um, I think it'd be a big hit to Keenan Allen, not that he was a huge fantasy producer last year, but I, that could be a sophomore slump type thing. Um, I'm looking for him to bounce back. Maybe not spectacularly, but you know, I, I think he's going to have a better season. And I think the guy it hurts the most is Antonio Gates because Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates have something special. I mean that. I mean they're the all-time. I think I believe I remember hearing that or reading that. I, th- I believe they're the all-time uh, quarterback to tight end touchdown leaders. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. But you know that makes Delaney Walker an interesting name in Tennessee because Philip Rivers likes to throw to the tight end. So you know it's good for Tennessee, bad for San Diego kind of thing. And Jared, what do you think about that situation? Yeah, I think Rivers to Tennessee and uh, Mariota to San Diego, I think both those fits make a lot of sense. Um, Rivers would obviously obviously be reuniting with Ken Wisenhunt, who we played with in San Diego back in 2013. He completed a uh, career-high 69.5% of his passes that season, 32 touchdowns and 11 inter- interceptions. So uh, he obviously you know fit well in that offense. I think he could you know step right into Tennessee and be a huge upgrade over what they have there now, which would definitely help Kendall Wright and Justin Hunter. Um, and as far as Mariota in um, San Diego, I, again, like that fit in the offense because Mike McCoy is there, and you know he has a history of fitting his offense to the quarterback. Um, you know, he was in he was in Denver for a few seasons. He went from Kyle Orton 
to Tim Tebow to Peyton Manning and was sort of able to morph his offense to fit all three of those guys. Yeah, that actually is a, a great point. It would be interesting to see kind of what he could do um, with with Mariota. Um, is there any other signings that you guys have seen throughout free agency um, that have you know have made you take notice? Um, maybe maybe for fantasy or just you think it's a, re- a really good signing, whether it's a receiver. I know Dennis had one. Uh, Dennis. Denarius Moore to Cincinnati is an interesting thing for me because Denarius Moore showed some flashes in Oakland, and I think he's an instant upgrade over Stonehand Sanu and you know Marvin Marvin Jones. Don't seem like he's going to be able to stay healthy, and you know I, I think he's more of a number two, number three. So that that's an interesting fit there. Um, and then I, I think one that nobody's really talking about. Is, I like Reggie Bush in San Francisco. Reggie Bush is is Still a good player, man, and and he offers a lot out of the backfield and far, as far as receiving. So I think he's. I'm not sure exactly. I haven't looked at his ADP lately, but you know, I know nobody's really talking about him. It's kind of one of those things that got overlooked. So um, those are two situations I'm definitely keeping an eye on, especially depending on what San Francisco does in the draft. If if they roll with Hyde and Bush, then you know I'll prefer Bush over Hyde because I know Bush is going to be a lot cheaper than Hyde. What about you, Jared? Is there any other uh, free agent signings that stood out to you? Yeah, I've sort of been the the president of the Roy Hallou fan club since he entered the league out of Nebraska. I've always liked his game. I think, you know, he, he flashed in spurts in Washington, was never, you know, given the keys to be the lead guy. But he did have catches of uh, – he had seasons of 31, 42, and 49 catches. So, you know, we know he's a excellent pass catcher. He also averaged 5.4 yards per carry this past season, so I think he can offer more in the running game than Washington let him show. Um, and of course, you know now he lands in Oakland. You know I think Latavius Murray is going to be given the first shot to be the lead back there, but he's still relatively unproven. I think there's some durability issues. Trent Richardson's there. I think he is horrible. I don't think he <laughs> should. You know I don't think he has any shot to emerge as the guy. I think Murray and Hulu are both much better players. So I think you know worst case for Hulu, he'll kind of stick in that pass catching role, maybe be, you know, an asset in your PPR fantasy leagues. But I also think there's a chance that he emerges as a lead back there if Latavius Murray, you know, continues to struggle with, with his uh, injuries. Yeah, I like that Hulu call a lot. I think, uh, especially with Murray, what he's shown and, and his injury history. But I also think, you know, he's kind of got that spark. So he might, you know, help Hulu have a little bit lower price tag, and you might be able to get a good value on a guy who you might not start week one or week two, but, you know, down the road you might, you know, week four, week five, when, uh, when Latavius Murray's on the injured reserve again, um, Hulu could be a nice option. Um, the, the next topic I want to hit on is in Dallas, and, you know, everyone assumes, you know, maybe that first pick, maybe that, maybe their second round pick, they, they look at running back and, they draft a guy, but, but what if they don't? Or what if they draft a guy, you know, who's in the sixth, seventh round, who doesn't, who's not really going to be the starter? And, and I would like to see, you know, kind of what you guys think of, of the Cowboys backfield. Uh, Darren McFadden, um, signed a free agent deal. They also brought in Ryan Williams, which is kind of an interesting guy who, who never really got, stayed healthy in Arizona. And, and Dunbar and Joseph Randall are still there. So, Dennis, I'll let you start. What do you what do you think about the Dallas Cowboys backfield situation, and and uh, and who would be your guy uh, kind of in that mix? If I had to pick one today, it would probably be Darren McFadden. Um, I believe Scott Linehan would, would 
put him in the correct scheme because that was that was part of the problem at Oakland. Not only could he not stay healthy, I mean, he had the multiple hamstring issues, the Liz Frank injury. I mean, but if the guy could stay healthy and they could put him in the right scheme, and instead of you know. Oakland would one year they'd be zone, next year they'd be power man, and you know just flip flop. And and McFadden's not that kind of player to where he can adapt and switch to different schemes. He's more of a, a man power scheme, and you know one cut runner hit the hole, and he he was pretty good at that. And so if I had to pick today, it'd probably be Darren McFadden. Um, Ryan Williams has always been an interesting guy, but. I don't know. We'll just have to see. It kind of. I'd have to really watch that in training camp. Seemed like they really liked him. They kept him around on the practice squad, and you know. But they they just re-signed Lance Dunbar, so he's definitely going to be their third down back. And Joseph Randall, he's okay. I, I think he's competent. He did okay in relief duty for Murray, but you know, I think Dallas is now a plug and play system where at least for the foreseeable future until proven otherwise, that it really doesn't matter who's carrying the ball. They're going to be relatively productive and be ownable in fantasy. So I don't know. Where where are you at with that, Jared? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, if Dallas doesn't add an early round running back in the draft, I think they're going to pass a lot more this year than they did last um, they were the you know they were the third highest the third most run heavy team in the NFL last year they called they called run on a little over 50% of their snaps so i think if they don't don't add you know an early round back that they're going to throw more they have the pieces to do that with Tony Romo, Des Bryant, Jason Witten is still you know a solid tight end Terrence Williams i think is underrated as a number 2 so i think we'd see that first of all um, as far as the guys in the backfield i'm not sure what McFadden has left in the in the tank at this point you know he's averaged under 3.5 yards per carry in three straight seasons. And I know he wasn't in the best situation. We also saw Latavius Murray average 5.2 yards per carry last year in the same exact spot. So I think McFadden is a major question mark at this point. Same goes with Ryan Williams, uh, mostly because of that torn patellar tendon that he suffered back in 2011. Now, that tends to be a death knell for NFL players um, since the injury. Ryan Williams averaged 2.8 yards per carry in 2012, and then he hasn't played since. So I think he's another guy who, you know, is a complete question mark. Um, Joseph Randall, we haven't seen a ton of him at the NFL level. He did average 6.7 yards per carry last year on only only 51 carries, so a small sample size. But he, he put up some big numbers in college. He had over 2,600 yards in his final two years at Oklahoma State. So I think he's an interesting guy. He might be the guy that I'd, you know, be most willing to gamble on in fantasy drafts if the Cowboys don't add a rookie running back. Well, that's funny you mentioned the passing game, Jared, because I was going to ask you guys, because, you know, until last year, they were a team that leaned on the pass, would throw some more, and then when it was time to run, they would throw even more. And it seemed like last year was the first year where they were actually consistently running the ball, and you notice they had a lot of success, so maybe that will influence kind of what they do um, this season, but I, I feel like if they don't get a guy they trust and McFadden's battling injuries and Williams isn't doing anything and they're kind of playing with the D- Dunbar and Randall, that it's going to be Romo, Romo, and then some more Romo. I mean, I, I just, I, I see passing and I don't, I don't know that, you know, even with that offensive line, that there's going to be one guy that I'm going to be, you know, really excited about. I think, I think, I think, uh, you know, Dunbar or Randall would be a nice, Late round flyer in case it, you know, in case something actually does become of it. But, um, and then what, what do you think about what do you think about that, Dennis? I was just gonna say we'll see if AP ends up there. Um, I know 
it just don't seem like he's wanting to go back to Minnesota. Now Minnesota's, you know, throwing throwing deals out there or, or price tags at least I should say. So we'll see. I mean, I would love to see Adrian Peterson in Dallas, but you know, as far as I see your point with Latavius Murray, Jared, but you know, how much of them yards per carry were were skewed by that ninety yard run is right. you know when I look. So I I don't know I I kind of. I just don't know if Dallas is real high on, on Randall. It just seems like they just don't want to commit to him by bringing in these other players and holding on to a Ryan Williams and things like that. I guess they might be afraid he might steal some more underwear or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's transition a little bit. I want to go um, – Jared just had his, uh, um, his rankings come up on Draft Sharks uh, for his dynasty rankings for the upcoming draft. Um, he's got he's got his overall plus he's got it broken down by position. So definitely go over to DraftSharks.com and check that out. But um, Jared, I want to ask you a few questions about your rankings and and kind of talk about some of the players on here. Um, I noticed you had uh, you had Cooper over Kevin White, which I think a lot of people like Kevin White's ceiling. So I was curious what you what you had on Cooper that you liked over Kevin White. Yeah, and I won't necessarily argue that Kevin White has the higher ceiling. I think that's a fair point. But I also think Amari Cooper's ceiling is plenty high, and I, I just think he's safer. I just think he's a safer prospect than Kevin White at this point. You know, Cooper played his college ball in the best conference, the SEC. You know, he had 1,000 yards as a freshman. Then this past year, he, you know, caught 124 passes, scored 16 touchdowns. So he obviously got it done, you know, again, against great competition for, you know, in a pro-style offense. So I think he's ready to make an impact in the NFL. And, again, you know, I, I think his ceiling is pretty high. I think he's an underrated athlete. If you actually look at his measurables, he's the same exact size as Sammy Watkins and was actually a tad faster in the 40s. So I think, you know, again, he's he's a he's a plus athlete, and I think he has plenty of upside to become, you know, a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. And then when you're doing your dynasty rankings, do you kind of uh, assume that once players find homes, you'll be able to you'll tweak them uh, maybe significantly depending on where they live or where they end up? And uh, yeah. you know, do you kind of just use the use the college tape to kind of think you go based off of skills purely until they find a home? Yeah, th- these rankings will definitely get tweaked as soon as we find out landing spots. But I always like doing the pre-draft rankings because I think in dynasty talent matters more than situation because situation can change. You know, guys can, you know, land on di- on new teams, trades for agency. You know, teams can change their coaching staff, you know, get, get guys in different systems. So I think beyond anything else, you want to look at talent when you're evaluating uh, these rookies for your dynasty leagues. Um, and was there, there was a couple guys that stood out to me that um, I wanted to talk to you about, and I think uh, one of them might end up being your one of your flag plant players, but that was Devin Smith out of Ohio State, who made your top ten. And, and talk to me about Devin Smith. Tell me, you know, kind of what, what you see in him and what you like so much. Yeah, I think he's a pretty divisive uh, prospect, but... I think if you watch the tape on him, that you're. I think there's plenty to like. I know you know his his stats at Ohio State weren't great. His measurables are just okay, but I think his his deep ball ability is one of the best traits of any prospect at any position in this class. I just think you know he has that four four speed, so he's plenty fast. But beyond that, I think it's his ball tracking ability, his body positioning, his hands, his ability and willingness to go get those 50-50 balls. I love all that stuff. So I think he's 
about as NFL ready as a wide receiver gets as far as the deep ball, which I think, you know, that alone gives him fantasy value. And then if he can develop some of the other parts of his game, you know, some of the short and intermediate routes, I think he can really become a fantasy star. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that no matter, you know, what quarterback change happened, he was still able to produce. And I think once you saw Cardell Jones um, take over and you could see that deep ball ability, and I think um, talking about Devin Smith at the next level, I think Baltimore is a, is a fantastic landing spot for him if he could end there. Yep. With Joe Flacco, uh, Dennis, did you want to talk a little uh, Devin Smith and, and maybe some places you, or you might think he'd make a lot of sense? I mean, I think that's another good fit for Philadelphia, and I think he kind of unfairly gets dubbed as just a deep throw or deep threat, but I think there's a little more to his game. Now, I was a little concerned that he wasn't as productive with JT Barrett or Braxton Miller, and you know, he really didn't elevate his game until um, Cardell Jones took took over a quarterback um and as we uh as we transition from your rankings i want to i want to talk some more uh of like dennis mentioned earlier some players that we think you know we want to plant our flag and we want to say this is my guy this is a guy i want to i want to you know stick with no matter what situation or or uh and when he gets to the next level so so dennis i'll let you start and then and then jared and then i'll go um you know, each each of us can pick out a guy or pick out two guys and and say this is going to be my guy for for draft season and and for beyond. So Dennis, you want to go ahead and start? Yeah, I mean it's a guy I've been beating his drum all draft season, and, and that's Michael Dyer. You know, he runs with a low center of gravity. He's got elite vision, tree trunk legs, great leg drive, finishes runs, and. You no, know, like I always said, the, the the thing I like most about him is he keeps his feet churning during contact and he has great burst through the hole he's able to find creases in the defense and he can string moves together pretty nicely great lateral agility it's not the the only knock on him is he's not very experienced as a as a receiver so and he's kind of limited in pass protection so he could be limited to you know first and second downs until he develops that part of his game but um, I, I could see him being an undrafted guy or a sixth seventh round guy and, and being a a Arian Foster type guy that, you know, no one really seen coming or a CJ Anderson who, you know, kind of bounces around for a year or two and then he gets a shot and he just takes it and runs with it. Yeah. I, th- I think Dyer is an interesting name and he's actually a name that showed up on your top 15 rankings, which uh, we'll be releasing our top 15 running back rankings, hopefully Friday uh, with player bios for each guy. But uh, Jared, what do you think about Michael Dyer and his ability at the next level? I mean, the measurables aren't great if you look at him, you know, 5'8", 218 pounds, uh, ran a 4'5-something at the Combine, so nothing special there. I, I worry a little bit about his, you know, agility, change of direction, ability to make guys miss. But I agree that, you know, he's definitely a hard-nosed runner. We definitely get what is blocked. So um, kind of a no-nonsense guy. I think, you know, he, he has good ball security. Um, so I don't see a ton of upside, but I could definitely see him, you know, being a fifth, sixth-round pick, but then making a fantasy impact at some point. And then I'll let you go ahead and plant your flag. I know we talked about Devin Smith, who's one of your favorite prospects. Was there anybody else that you were really excited about that you that you want to plant your flag in? Yeah, I like Tyler Lockett a ton, and I think he's going to be 
a big time value in dynasty drafts. Um, I think, you know, the knock against him is obviously his size. He's only 5'10, 182 pounds. Besides that, I don't really see what's not to like. He was insanely productive in college. Um, you know, had 1,200 yards in 2013, 1,500 yards this past year. He was also a great return guy, which I think, you know, speaks to his open field ability. I think he shows that in the passing game with his. Um, burst. Um, I think he creates a lot of separation in his in his routes. I think he's good after the catch. I think he has a bigger catch radius too than you think for a small guy. I think you know he, he has pretty good leaping ability, sticky hands. So I like that. Not and you know not to pump him up too much, but when I watch him, the guy he sort of reminds me of is is uh, Antonio Brown. Yeah, I love Tyler Lockett. I think he's one of the guys that's most one of the most NFL-ready prospects. I think you could plug him in. He's going to be able to run all the routes. He's going to be able to, you know, make plays. He he may be undersized, but I think he plays bigger than than his size, which is you know some a lot of bigger guys will play smaller than what they actually are. But he he'll make plays and and he made plays at Kansas State even with you know guys like Jake Waters throwing him the ball who aren't exactly the most you know ideal quarterback situations. Um, the guy I want to talk about is Kenny Bell out of Nebraska. Um, Dennis kind of, you know, mentioned him and kind of had him in his list. And I had watched him this season, and I wasn't, you know, mind blown. But I went back and watched Kenny Bell, and I'm, I'm becoming a huge fan. I feel like, I feel like if I can't get Jalen Strong. I, and I can get Kenny Bell, I'm getting Jalen Strong light. I'm getting a guy who can do the back shoulder fades, who can make contested catches, who can use his body. I mean, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a huge Kenny Bell fan. Jared, where, where do you sit with Kenny Bell? Yeah, the comparison I make with Kenny Bell is Kenny Stills. I think similar wideouts, you know, decent height, a little, a little on the lanky side, but great speed. And I think, you know, Bell's a tough guy because, again, his numbers weren't huge because of the offense he played in. But if you turn on the tape, you can definitely see some NFL traits. And I think he's a guy that could definitely at least at least develop into a second wide receiver at the next level. Yeah, I agree. Um, Dennis, did you have anybody else you wanted to plant your flag in? I mean, I, I have a, a ton of flags to plant, but uh, <laughs> we don't have enough. And, and I'm just going to mention again, like, I know I got a, lot, a little bit of backlash on it, but, you know, I, I still got my flag planted in Sammy Coates. I know there's a lot of issues there, but, you know, just just the physical upside. And I know it's kind of funny for me to say because I'm usually on the opposite. Like, if I don't see it show up on film or whatever, then, you know, I kind of tend to dismiss him a bit quicker. But, you know, I, I'm just one dying to see where he ends up. Um, I like him better than a guy like Rashard Perryman, even though Perryman's a little more complete. But I think Coates has just as much upside, and I just like his intensity as a player and his character off the field. And so that's my flag. <laughs> well, I'm going to definitely plant my flag in JHI. I know there's some concerns about his knee and – there's some, you know, he's he's not really the the top two three guy and on most people's boards, but there's just something about him that I think uh, I think he's going to be a special back, and I think at the next level he's going to really make a difference. Um, Jared, was there anybody else you wanted to hit on? Yeah, can I talk about Coates and Ajayi really quick? Absolutely. Um, I think you know I think Coates is definitely a boomer bust prospect. I think he has you know obviously the size and athleticism, but you know I think. As far as Dynasty goes, I think Chris Conley 
is a similar size to Coates. I think he's just as athletic. And I actually think Chris Conley is more polished than Sammy Coates. So if I'm looking for that type of wideout, I'm going to take Chris Conley over Sammy Coates. Um, I'm definitely with you on Jay Ajayi. I think, you know, he the comparison I make with him is Steven Jackson with his running style, his size, and also his pass-catching ability. I think, you know, that pass-catching ability, along with, I think, what should be a pretty high TD upside, I think that gives him a ton of fantasy upside going forward. Um, one other guy I, I'm really high on is Amir Abdullah. I think, you know, his, his underwhelming 40 time at the combine, he ran 4-6, I think it was. I think, you know, that sort of turned some people off. But besides that, he had a great, uh, performance in Indy. He led all running backs in the vertical and broad jumps, which shows that explosive, explosive ability. Um, I think, you know, if, if you watch Abdullah, to me, he looks like a more athletic version of Gio Bernard. Um, you know, probably not as good in the passing game, but at least as a runner, I think he has that, you know, Bernard size and, you know, explosive ability and, you know, someone who I think runs bigger than his, his size would suggest. So I like Abdullah as someone to come in and, you know, be a 15 to 18 touch per game kind of guy. Yeah, I love the Abdullah call, and I think Dennis and I are both huge fans. And you know, he didn't run the fastest forty, and and his his stats at the combine weren't as quite as impressive. But um, when you watch him on tape, it just it stands out. You can see him get to the next level, and you can see him find the right hole, and and he just knows how to make plays. And there, there's something to be said for that. Um, well, tell Jared, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and and DraftSharks.com and and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, head over to DraftSharks.com. We have a bunch of free content. We do our, do our own podcast over there, and uh, we're doing some fantasy outlooks for redraft leagues. Um, you know, We'll have updated dynasty rankings after the draft. And then you can find me on Twitter at SmolaDS. It's S-M-O-L-A-D-S. Well, thanks for joining us, Jared. It was a, it was a pleasure talking some fantasy and talking some draft and with the draft right around the corner, we'll definitely have to have you come back on when we're getting closer to fantasy football season. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I'd love to be back on. Well, we want to thank our guest, Jared Smola, again. He was he was awesome, brought a ton of good content. and uh, Definitely check out DraftSharks.com and follow him on Twitter, SmolaDS. Um, and then Dennis had a few things as we wrap up tonight um that he wanted to hit on kind of as things to think of as the draft approaches and and things to think of in terms of like running backs and prospects and stuff so so Dennis I'll let you just take the floor Yeah I know this time of year we all kind of get you know enamored in all these prospects and we really like a lot about most of them and you know I'm sure there's a few we don't like or whatever but for the most part you know it's like a love fest at least with me anyways I find things I like about all of them and you know, now's the time where I start trying to separate that, and, and I try to do that before landing spots, so I get a little more of, of an accurate picture, and it's not a little biased toward landing spot and things like that, even though that's really important. But, you know, like, I, I'll give you an example. Like, in 2010, here here was the running backs. It was C.J. Spiller was the first one off the board, Ryan Matthews, Javid Best, Dexter McCluster, Toby Gearhart, Ben Tate, Joe McKnight, Booby Dixon, Deji Karim, Jonathan Dwyer, James Starks, Charles Scott, and undrafteds were Joy Bell and Chris Ivory. Now, out of all those running backs I just named there, I believe there was 24 maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. I didn't count them. Should have counted. But anyway, <laughs> I mean really out of, out of that whole list, out of that whole class, who can you say is really 
lived up to their draft stock. I mean, Joyt Bell and Chris Ivory certainly have, but they're undrafted free agents. But Ben Tate, you know, we all thought he was going to do something and never really did. Ryan Matthews, if he could just stay healthy, and C.J. Spiller, if he could just get opportunity and stay healthy. So, you know, the I don't have, like, any one indicator of bust and things like that, but it's definitely something I think we need to consider. I mean, it's Todd Gurley's in dangerous company right now. He's the consensus number one, and, you know, that hasn't always worked out. I mean, we've seen that with Trent Richardson's and things like that and Darren McFadden's. But, you know, there is cases where there's Adrian Peterson's that do work out. So, you know, I just want to kind of keep that in perspective. And, you know, it the draft hasn't been pretty for, for smaller running backs, you know, productive high, or highly productive smaller backs. I mean, you got your Dexter McClusters, and these are just backs from 2011 to now. It's Dexter McClusters, Isaiah Peds, LaMichael James, Ronnie Hillman, who were all pretty much top 100 picks. So, you know, not all of these running backs are going to hit. So I, I tried to find these, the ones that are going to hit or at least have a better chance of hitting and a lot of it's opportunity. But if you know the talent, you know how to make your moves. And, and that's kind of something we follow here on Angle of Pursuit. We try to be out ahead of our league mates. And last year, a good example of talent winning out was Trey Mason, who, if if you was paying attention, you seen Zach Stacy and Benny Cunningham wasn't getting it done, so you made the smart move and picked up Trey Mason. Or, you know, you got to account for teams that draft two running backs. Like, I'll never forget when in 2013 when Eddie Lacy and Jonathan Franklin both were drafted by Green Bay, and that drove me nuts because I like both of them. And Jonathan Franklin was a guy I really had high hopes for, which he didn't pan out due to injury. And then last year, we seen the whole fantasy quagmire with Terrence West and Isaiah Crowell. And so it's just something to be mindful of. And, and then we got like Kadeem Carey, who's sitting behind Forte, but it's a talented running back. And a guy I wanted to mention to you guys, and, and this is staying out ahead of the curve, is Niall Davis. He's probably the most valuable handcuff in fantasy, or at least one of them. And he becomes a free agent after this year. So. You know, in keeper leagues and things like that, he's a guy I'm definitely going to try to draft so I can keep him for next year. He's a guy I'm going to try to acquire in Dynasty, even if I don't own Jamal Charles. But, you know, I just wanted to tell you that, and I, I think there's a hype on some guys that I just don't quite see it. And David Johnson being one of those guys, you know, kind of feels, feels like Storm Johnson all over again, even though I think Johnson's a better prospect or David Johnson's a better prospect than Storm Johnson. But I remember a similar situation where where the fantasy community was a lot higher on him than the actual NFL and I don't know that's going to be the case but there is going to be situations where that does happen and then there's other guys who was in bad situations in college like Malcolm Brown who you know showed pretty well with what he had to work with I mean his offensive line was horrible horrible one of the worst offensive lines in, in football and one of the least experienced offense lines of college football so you know that heading in there's going to be some buys on some guys you know there's there's going to be your Cameron artist pains of the draft your Carlos Williams your Michael Dyers and guys like that 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 you can get in the third fourth round of your dynasty draft or you know you can keep on your waiver wire speed dial as the season goes and you know a guy I want to pump the brakes on a little bit is Ajayi as much as I like him you know, he could end up in a bad spot where he's Christine Michael, where we know he has all the tools to be a star. But, you know, he's he's stuck behind a veteran like Marshawn Lynch or, you know, 
or he fails to mature like Bryce Brown because he does have some Bryce Brown to his game. So, you know, as a, as a draft approaches, we definitely need to be mindful of that. And, you know, guys like Duke Johnson could end up being a complimentary player like, like a Shane Vereen or, you know, or they could try him out as a workhorse like Ellington. And it wouldn't surprise me if Duke Johnson fell in the draft a little bit because, because of injury concerns. But I definitely think he's a, he's a good running back, but, you know, let's just be mindful of situations and things like that, and that, that's basically all I have, Kyle. Yeah, and I think you brought up some good points, and I think, uh, you know, when you're evaluating prospects, you know, don't get fall in love with a guy because he goes to a situation where, you know, he could start. He could be Bishop Sankey. Well, what does that get you? It doesn't get you much because the guy doesn't isn't doesn't have the talent that's required to be a, a starting running back and a high-caliber one at that, and you know, so always go with the guys that you believe in, the guys that you think have the talent. And even if it initially doesn't look like the situation is going to be ideal, um, you know, it, it'll it'll open up or they'll end up in a different spot or they'll, they'll always find their way to a spot. So even if the guy, you know, maybe you don't have them on your team right away, but, um, you know, always keep an eye on them because when they end up in that right spot and they're ready to take off, that, that talent will win out every time. Um, oh, we, once again, we want to thank Jared Smola for joining us. Uh, I want to thank my co-host Dennis for, for bringing it tonight. And, um, with the draft inside a week away, we'll be back with you guys next week. And, and don't forget to check, uh, fake pigskin, uh, for our running back rankings this week and, and our receiver rankings should be out early next week. Uh, have a good night.